Well, thank you so much, and I appreciate these guys and all their hard work in uh, helping us get to this point, and I uh, hope this will be a help to you. And uh, I just, I'm, I've been thinking about what the Lord would have me to preach and how we go through this and figure things out, and, and uh, joy has been a part of something that I've been really working on. And so uh, I'm hoping that this will be a help to you as much it is, as it is to me. I've enjoyed the study so far, so hopefully it'll be a help to you as well. And uh, as we, we get into this, if you would, please take your Bibles and, and turn with me to Philippians. That's the book we're going to be studying through. And um, Philippians is a wonderful book. But before we get into Philippians, I want you to think about something with me. And I want you to think about your life. Okay, as a whole, most of us understand and have been um, told that life is a journey, and that's 100% what it is. It is a long journey. Um, we're all on this journey together. Every one of us is on it. Um, and the interesting thing is the journey begins at conception, and it does not end until we die. It is important to understand that we are all on this journey, every one of us. I think that's important to understand. I saw something um, in, in, uh, on Facebook this week that said that we are all um, in the same storm together, and that is true. So we're all in life together. We're all on this journey, and we're all on a journey together. This journey will take us to the right, or if you're if, if me, it's to the right. If you're facing me, it'd be the other way. A uh, journey takes us to the right. Journey will take us to the left. The journey will take you up. The journey will take you down. The journey will take you in circles. It will happen. Uh, just continue to uh, move forward. The journey will lead us straight on ahead as far as you want to go. Um, this journey will bring us often great suffering. Uh, we don't like to talk about that, but that's what it will bring. But this also, this journey will bring us great joy. And that's really where we want to focus today. This journey will be, at times, very difficult. And there will be times in this journey where things will be easy breezy. The great news about this journey is someone has been where you are at right now before. They have been there before. And that's important to understand. You might be going through something on your journey right now and that you think, Man, I have never been through this before. I don't know what to do. But listen, there have been people that have gone through what you're going through right now. There is nothing new that you are going through that someone has not been through before. And that's important, okay, to remember. Um, if, if you're struggling through something, someone has been there before. That's encouraging to me to know that maybe they've never dealt with COVID-19 before, but people have been through difficult times before. However, there is no one that has gone through things in the exact same way that you have. That's important to also understand. We think, yeah, people have gone through this before, but they have never experienced it the same way that you experience it. Paul uses the term course, okay, course. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7, the Bible says, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. So Paul uses the term course and says, listen, I have a course. My course is different. There is no one, hear me, there is no one that had the same course as Paul. No one. Every course is different. 
Paul went through a, a, a ton of physical things. He was beaten. He was uh, shipwrecked. He was uh, whipped. He was all kinds of different things that he had gone through in his life. So Paul had a course that he was going through. So his course started here, and it was laid out before him, and this was the course that he must go on. But every course is different. So you might be reaching a mountaintop experience where things are going very well for you. You're just excited about what God is doing in your life. Things are moving forward for you and moving in a wonderful direction. And you've reached this mountaintop rejoicing time. While at the same time, there's somebody in the valley, depressed, struggling, having a hard time. And really, at the exact same time, there's everything in between. Everything in between. The struggles you face in your 40s your peers might not face until they're in their 50s. I know for me, there's been times where I was going through something in my 20s that my peers were not going to face until they were in their 30s. And now some of them are beginning to see those things. Listen, it's different. Your course is different for every single person. You are on a course and if you're in the habit of writing things down, I want you to write this down. I hope it will be encouraging to you, and I hope you'll see this in a little bit. But you have a course specifically designed for you. You have a course specifically designed for you. This course is designed by God who loves you and gave himself for you. That's so important to understand. He loves you, and he gave himself for you, and he has designed a course specifically for you. Every part of the course, listen, every part of the course is designed to teach you something. Every part. Every part of the course is designed to develop you, to mold you, to shape you. Listen, every part of the course is designed, or if you will, tailored specifically for your purpose here on earth. Your course is designed specifically, tailored to you, to help you fulfill your purpose here on this earth. The course of your life is being played out in front of you every single day. The course of your life is being played out. You can see it. You can see what's going on. It's, it's kind of interesting to me. I'm 32 years old, and some days I feel like I'm way too old, and I, I think, man, I've got so many things that have happened to me in my 32 years, and I look back and I see all the things that have happened, and, but as I look back on my course of my life, guess what I can see? I can see how God has molded me and shaped me and gotten me to the point where I am today. Some of those things hurt. Some of those things were not what I would have implemented, but that was what I needed. That course was designed specifically for me, and listen, everybody has gone through parts of my life before. But my course, the way it was given, how it was given, the time in which it was given, was designed specifically for me. It's shaped me into who I am today. And listen, your course has shaped you into who you are today. But the course of life can do some things to you. It can discourage you. If you look back and you look at the course of your life thus far, maybe it does discourage you. Maybe it depresses you. Maybe it causes you great anxiety. I'm not really sure. But it can. Listen, the course of life is not easy. And you can look at people and sometimes see in their face that the life that they've lived has not been an easy life. It's been hard. It's been difficult. Listen, it takes a great deal of determination, a great deal of grit to get 
through life. It does. Let's just, let's just lay it out there. It takes a great deal of determination. It takes a great deal of grit to push your way through. But listen, is there a way to enjoy the journey? Is there a way to think, man, I don't care what happens in this life. I don't care what course I'm on. It doesn't matter. All I know is I just want to enjoy my course. Listen, I believe there's a way, and that's why we've entitled this series, Your Course with Joy. Your Course with Joy. Because you can live your course with joy. It's entirely possible. Most of us don't. Most of us live our course just thinking, well, this is all life has to offer. This is the course that has been designed for me, and I'll just put up with it. But we don't enjoy it. Acts chapter 20 and verse 24, just a segment of it, Paul says this, so that I might finish my course with joy. I want to finish my course with joy. Paul knew that there was a way to finish his course with joy. He knew it. Paul knew that even though the way, the course was hard, even though the way, the course was a struggle, listen, there was still joy to be had throughout the process. No matter the highs, no matter the lows, joy is always, always an option. Always an option. Paul writes the book of Philippians, I believe, with this in mind. The book of Philippians is written really in not a good place. He was in Rome. And if you remember anything about Philippi, Philippi, Paul was in, in jail and the Philippian jailer, we know that, Acts chapter 16, the book of Philippians is written with all of this in mind. Philippians is a wonderful book, but listen, it did not come from a joyful experience. All around him, his circumstances were bad. Paul, writing this from prison in Rome, having been in prison in Philippi, all of these things are going on in his life, but listen, he still writes this with joy. The book of Philippians details for us the fundamentals of going through your course, the course of your life, with joy. It details it for us, and I hope it will be a help to you. I want you to see the whole verse of Acts chapter 20 and verse 24. The Bible says this, But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself. Why? So that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus Christ to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Let me ask you this question. How in the world can Paul say this? How can he say none of these things move me? And I, I don't count my life, dear. How can he say this? How was it that everything that had happened to him, again, he was beaten, he was uh, stoned, he was whipped, he was shipwrecked, and the list could go on and on and on. How can those things not move Paul? He says, none of these things move me. How was it that Paul would not count his life dear unto himself? How in the world did he get to this point in his mind? How in the world did he get to this place? How did this lead to him finishing his course with joy? Well, let's find out. He wrote the book of Philippians. Let's find out. Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. The Bible says this, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Look at verse 3. He says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making request with joy for our fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ, even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart in as much as both in my bonds. And in my defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. For God is my record. And how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, verse 11, being filled with the fruits of of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. Let's pray and we'll get into this message. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be where we are today. Thank you for the things that you've taught us. Thank you for the things that you've allowed to come into our lives that we might finish our course with joy. Thank you for developing us. Thank you for helping us fulfill our purpose. Father, I pray that today, might give people a new perspective, might give people, myself included, a new look on our life and our course and help us to finish it with joy. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for dying on the cross for our sins and even giving us an opportunity at this amazing joy. Father, we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Very simply this morning, I just want to give you two very practical tips on how to have joy for your course. How to have joy in your course. Number one, I want you to see this, a positive perspective on people. A positive perspective on people. Again, if you're in the habit of writing things down, I want to just say this a different way. Maybe you could write this down. An insistent appreciation for people. I'm going to insist on appreciating people. An insistent appreciation for people. Paul starts out this book with an outline, a focus on other people. He focuses on other people. Most of us would say this morning, yeah, I focus on other people. I absolutely focus on other people. But here's the problem, is when we focus on other people, we often focus on their faults and on their failures. It's easy to do that. We notice the bad. We remember the bad. We don't forget the bad. We focus on those things. There are very few people in the world that have a positive perspective on people. And so if you're going to have joy, listen, you must insist on appreciating the good in people. You must insist upon it. You must look for it. You must strive for it. You must not allow yourself to think bad thoughts. Look with me in verse 3 of chapter 1. The Bible says this, I thank my God, that's important, upon every remembrance of you. Notice every remembrance, every one of them. He notices and says, I thank my God upon every remembrance. He says there is not one negative thing that Paul is thinking of here. There's not one negative thing. Every remembrance of you I am thankful to God for. Every time I think of you, I'm excited. I'm thanking God. Every time I think of you, you have positive feelings in my heart. 
I believe that he is purposefully and intentionally thinking about these people positively. Now, if you've dealt with any amount of people at all for any amount of time, you, can, you know that there's negative. No doubt the Philippians with the bishops and the deacons. Here you can see that in verse 1. No doubt there was some negative things that you could find about these people. There absolutely was because they're people. They're, they're, there's things about them that are wrong. They're, we're all sinners. We all do bad things. But understand, Paul was thinking positively. He was making sure that he was thinking in that way. We'll see this a little bit later, how intentional he was. He says in Philippians chapter 4 that we need to think on those things that are true, lovely, of good report, pure, all of those things that we are to think about intentionally. When I was a kid, I used to, I have a very, still to this day, I have a very active imagination. And I, I think in pictures, a lot of time I think in video. And so I, if you tell me something, it's probably going to come up in a picture in my mind. But as a kid, I would think of these really bad thoughts would come into my head. I could imagine one of the most ugly, the most grotesque, the uh, most scary monster that you could ever think of. I would think of that thing. And it would scare me. And I would sit there and think about it and worry. And, and it would be very easy for me to have those thoughts. They would just come into my mind and I could picture it. I could picture everything dripping off of him and the scariness and the crazy teeth, every, everything. I can see it now. But I knew that in order to get those thoughts out of my head, I had to think of something good. And this is always, I always went to this. I would always, to get that thought out of my head, I would always go to something lovely, something like this. And you maybe have heard me say this before. I could picture a stream. And I could picture the sun shining, a nice uh, glow, a, a golden haze is in the air because it's just beautiful. I could picture deer and rabbits in this pasture that I was in and the grass was so soft and the breeze was just blowing. Listen, I'm thinking about these things now and that picture of that monster is gone. I was thinking about things that were lovely, a beautiful pasture, these deer and, and rabbits playing and it was almost like Bambi. I mean, it was just a wonderful, beautiful picture. Again, before too long, you think about that long enough and you think about the details of that picture. You don't even realize that the monster was even a part of your thoughts. Listen, that's a simple and very easy to understand, hopefully, example. But listen, this is the same way that we need to view people. I had to purposefully and intentionally think about something different. So let me ask you a very pointed question. How do you think about people? How do you think about people? No, I'm not talking about your friends and I'm not talking about your family because all of us love them. Maybe you struggle with them too, but nonetheless, how do you think about people? Are you typically a negative person? Are you typically someone who finds the bad in people? Do you view people in a negative light? How do you think about people? Do you tend to destroy them with your thoughts? Do you tend to break them down a little bit? Listen, if we are going to have joy, we must intentionally appreciate people. We must have a positive perspective on people. So you might be asking yourself, how, how do I do that? 
How do I do that? I, I want to have joy. I want to experience joy. How do I experience joy? And how do I have a positive perspective on people? Well, I want you to see, first of all, what Paul did. He fervently prayed for them. Look at, look at verse 4. Look at this. Always, in every prayer of mine for you all, making request with joy. Paul prayed for these people. Paul prayed for these people always in every prayer of mine for you all, making request with joy. Listen, it is important to pray for these people. Listen, I, I've used, uh, used to be in a room, a dorm room, with seven other guys. It was not overly fun. I don't miss those times at all. In fact, when we got married and I moved out and my wife and I were living together, it was far better than living with seven other guys in the same room, sharing two sinks in a bathroom. It was far better. But listen, I remember having a problem with one of the guys. And I remember my dorm supervisor coming to me and saying, hey, I know you have a problem with this guy. I want you to do something for me. I said, I'll do, I'll do anything for you. He says, I just want you to start praying for him. And I said, ah, oh, I don't want to do that. And he said, listen, if you will do it, that's what God says. And he shared with me these verses. Matthew chapter 5. Verse 43 and 44. You have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Now listen, this guy was not using me or persecuting me. We just had disagreements. That's all. But he began to tell me, listen, this is what the Bible says, and you need to begin praying. And I'm, I try to do things by the Bible, and so if you share with me a verse, that will help me greatly. So he shared this with me, and I remember beginning to pray for him. I remember beginning to pray about what God would do in his life and his relationship with his fiance at the time and different things. I began to pray for him, and guess what? Before long, I wasn't focused on the problems that we had I was focused on what I was praying for and I was rejoicing in the good things that God was doing in his life and we became much better friends. I wouldn't say we were best friends, much better friends. We didn't have fights anymore. Listen, this is not just a casual prayer though. It's not like, oh, I pray for Jim because of his problem with me. No, this is a fervency. This is an, an intentionally overcoming you and looking at someone else. Listen to that again. This is intentionally overcoming you and focusing, looking on someone else's needs. In my life, I had to look and get over what I didn't like about this, this guy and begin to focus on his needs of his life. He was working. He had a, had a fiance. He had school bills to pay. He was studying hard. He was doing all of these different things. And I began to look on his needs and I began to take my eyes off of myself and look at what God was going to do in his life. Listen, that, <clears throat> excuse me, that will change you because you're starting to take your eyes off of yourself and you're starting to look at someone else. He fervently prayed for them. Let's see what Paul prays for them about. Look at verse 9. He, he gives it to us. He says, and this I pray. Here's what I'm praying for you, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgments. He continues, that ye may approve things that are excellent 
that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ, under the glory and praise of God. I hope you understand what he's saying. He's saying, listen, I pray that your love abounds. I pray that you can love people. I pray that people will love you. Wow, what, a, what an excellent prayer. What a prayer that you can begin praying for someone else. I'm gonna pray that you will be able to love people and that people will love you. And more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. And as things begin to, uh, uh, you know people and you know things and you have judgment and all these other things, you will just protrude love. Verse 10, that may improve things that are excellent. Hey, I want you to exceed. I want you to do excellent things. I want you to do things so well. Listen, instead of praying, I hope they fail. Pray, I hope they do well at their job. I hope they have a wonderful day today. I hope they raise their children to the, to the glory of God. I hope they make wise decisions, excellency, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Most of us love it when somebody that we hate falls. And, and, and messes up and falls into sin. Not Paul. Paul said, no, 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 no. I'm going to pray that you enter in the presence of Christ sincerely and without offense. Without offense. I'm gonna pray that you have walk in the spirit. And he says that being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Christ under the glory and praise of God. I hope that in everything, they begin having love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. I hope you have the fruit of the Spirit. They come from Jesus Christ, and I hope that they glorify, and I hope and pray that they glorify God in everything they do. Listen, you start praying that prayer. God, help them to be pleasing to you. God, help them to know you. Help them to understand you. Help them to have the fruits of the Spirit. Help them to glorify you in everything that they do. Help them to raise their children. Help them to help, uh, love their grandchildren. Help them all of these different things. Help them in their job. You can begin praying these things. You begin uh, fervently praying for them. I guarantee you, based upon Paul's recommendation here, that you will have your course with joy. But what else are we going to do? Look at verse 5. The Bible says this. For your fellowship... In the gospel from the first day until now. I want to focus on that word fellowship. Fellowship. What's the second thing that we ought to do? How are we supposed to intentionally appreciate this, these people? How are we supposed to have a positive perspective? Number two, I want you to see that you adamantly admit they are team members. Adamantly admit that they are team members. This is important. I have been a part of several teams in my life. And there's a few people on every team that you say, yeah, they're on our team. All right, if I have to admit it, yes, they are. Now, they don't start. They're a backup or whatever. Yeah, no, this is like, hey, these guys are on my team. I'm adamantly admitting it. Look at what Paul says. He says, I make requests for you with joy because you have fellowshiped with me in the gospel. You are helpful to me. So adamantly admit that. Listen, we're on the same team I get so um, discouraged by how often team members fight other team members. Again, been a part of several sports teams. And there have been times, very few, I'm thankful, in which our sports teams had problems, the team members had problems with one another. We worked hard at cultivating relationships because we knew, we knew that if team members were at odds with one another, then they would not play well together. We knew that. 
Listen, in basketball, I, if I have a, a problem with my point guard, which was my brother most of the time, if I had a problem with him, I wouldn't pass him the ball. Hey, I think I can do it better than him, and so I wouldn't pass him the ball, and really, I'm not a good shooter. My brother was a far better shooter, and so it's important that he has the ball. It's important that he takes the ball. Listen, it's so important that we work together as a team. We are on the same team. Adamantly admit that to yourself. Because so often we think, oh, they're against us. They're against us. They're trying to hurt us. They're trying to disrupt our lives. They're trying to break things up. No, listen, they may not do everything properly. But listen, I know this. We're on the same team. On the same team, adamantly admit that they are team members. Number three, I want you to see this. Be outrageously confident in God's work. Be outrageously confident in God's work. Look at verse six. The Bible says this. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He says, listen, I know, without a shadow of a doubt, I can be confident, I can have joy, I can have fellowship with you because I am confident that God is working in your life. I am confident in it. We are so quick to judge people. And we are so quick to forget that God is working in their lives as well. Listen, none of us, none of us are perfect. That includes you, that includes me. None of us are perfect. And so often we see something wrong in someone's life and guess what we do? We completely write them off and say, oh, you did something wrong, I'm done. But guess what? God can still use those people. God can still use them. God is still working on them as much as he's still working on me. We sing that song. It's an old kid's song. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be because he's still working on me. Listen, but guess what? He's still working on them as well. So if you're in the habit of writing things down, write this down. Don't expect perfection. Expect progression. Listen, if people are moving forward everybody's going to make mistakes. Everybody's going to do things wrong. Everything, everybody's going to say something that they shouldn't have said. But listen, don't expect perfection. Be outrageously confident that God's working in their lives. Expect progression. Uh, hey, they, they made mistakes. They're moving forward. They're continuing to do what's right. Expect that progression. So listen, if you are going to have joy, you must, you must be intentional about looking positively at other people. But number two, you must have the glorious goal of the gospel. The glorious goal of the gospel. Let's read a few more verses here. In verse 12, the Bible says this. But I would, ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. All the things that Paul went through, it's furthering the gospel. So that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Because of the things that Paul was going through, there, other people were much bolder. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. 
The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds. So there's this one person that's preaching Christ. He's not doing it out of a love for Christ. He's hoping to add uh, to Paul's bonds. But look what Paul says. There's another of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of gospel. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached and therein. And therein, the fact that Christ is being preached, do, I, do rejoice, I do rejoice. Yea, and will rejoice. I, listen, I don't care if somebody's preaching the gospel because they want to get back at me. The gospel's being preached. He's going to rejoice. It didn't matter how Christ was pre- being preached. If it hurt Paul or didn't hurt Paul, he didn't care. He was just excited that the gospel was being preached and that it was giving other people boldness and that it was spreading the gospel. I count not my life dear unto myself. My life doesn't matter. See, often we can get upset with things that are going on between each other. That we get extremely internally focused. So if you're sitting here in this church, in the walls of this church, you look across the pew at the other person, you think, I don't like that person. You begin looking at those things. But listen, when we are internally focused, guess what happens? Joy starts to leave. Joy starts to leave even in our own lives. When we begin to look at ourselves, joy starts to leave. But when we get externally focused, when we start to look outside of ourselves, and as a church, when we start looking outside of our walls and we begin to look at the people around us, listen, there is joy in heaven over one sinner that repents. Man, that's good news. That's exciting news because, listen, it's joy externally. When there's fellowship and wonder and, and wonderful things going on inside, that's usually because external things are happening same is true with us. When I personally look at myself and think about all the things that I have wrong, and I begin dwelling upon myself and thinking about uh, the, the problems in my life and the, uh, the, the things that they have done to me, I forget. And my joy begins to leave. But when I get externally focused and start looking at people needing the gospel and one person comes to know Jesus Christ, the Bible says joy in heaven. No doubt there's joy in your life. No doubt there's joy in your life over one sinner that repents. But look at with me in verse 21. I love this verse. Most of you would know this. The Bible says, for, me, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Listen, doesn't matter if I live, doesn't matter if I die. If I live, it's purely for Christ's sake. It's purely for the progression of the gospel. That's it. And if I die, that's gain. I get to see that Christ to whom I was preaching. If I'm going to live, I'm going to live so people see Christ. Paul said this many times, that Christ be magnified in my body. Christ be magnified in my body. Also look with me in verse 27. He gives us this challenge. He says, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Listen, it's, you are of such one mind as a church. You are of such one mind as a family. You are of such one mind as a person that all you can think about is the gospel. 
the glorious goal of the gospel. Paul says, live the course of your life simply promoting the gospel. It says this, stand fast in one spirit, striving together. Just, just stand in the gospel. Just stand in the gospel. Listen, in so many areas of our life, and myself included, in so many areas of our lives, we have internally focused and we forgot about the gospel. We forgot about the people around us. We forgot about telling people the reason why Jesus Christ even came. The reason why we have Christmas. We forget. If you want to live your life with joy, you must have the goal, the glorious goal of the gospel. But look at verse 28. He says this, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries. I love this. Which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. Listen, don't get distracted by the adversaries, by the enemies of the gospel. Just keep giving the gospel. Because listen, when you know that you have an adversary, hear this, hear this very well. When you know that you have an adversary, Look at what it says. It is an evident token of perdition. They are looking at it as, hey, we're giving you a problem. We're hurting you. We're trying to take these things from you. But it's not an evident token of perdition to you. It's an evident token of your salvation. Listen, if you do nothing at all, there will be no one who opposes you. No one. If you do nothing at all, there will be no one who opposes you. But if you do something, if you do anything in your life, Someone is going to oppose you. Someone is going to stand up and push against you. Listen, thank God for that. Thank God for that because it is a token of your salvation and that of God. That God is working. Listen, Satan does not want you to move forward. He wants to keep you unjoyful. He wants to keep you in a, in a depressed state, in an anxious state. He wants you to stay there. He wants you to become internally focused. Why? Because when you're internally focused, nothing ever happens externally. And things begin to deteriorate. Don't get distracted. Just keep giving the gospel. Paul just wanted to see the gospel furthered. So let me, again, very pointedly ask you this question. How do you view the gospel? How do you view the gospel? Well, if you're in the habit of writing things down, write this down. Don't let it be a demand. Let it be your desire. Don't let it be a demand. Listen, the Bible very clearly states that we ought to give the gospel. Preach the gospel to every creature. We've heard it over and over and over and over again. If you've been in church any amount of time, and that's okay because that's what the Bible says. But don't let it be a demand, something that you have to do. Be, let it be something you get to do. If you view the gospel as something you have to do, I'm telling you right now, the joy's going to leave. But if you view it as something you get to do, and I'm excited, the joy returns, you get to give the gospel. Let it be your desire. You may be asking yourself the question, what, what is the gospel? The gospel is simply this, the good news of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. A lot of times we focus on the bad news. The bad news is simply this, that we sin. We do wrong. We've already established that. Every one of us does wrong. We break God's commandments. And because we have broken God's commandments, the Bible says that we deserve to die. That's the bad news. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came to this earth, 
lived. That's what, that's what Christmas was. He was born of a virgin. Lived for 33 and a half years. And 33 and a half years, he did amazing things. Spoke and gave life and just healed people. Healed blind, healed lame, healed the mute. Cast demons out of people. He lived a wonderful life on this earth. He was God in the flesh. The Bible says that he never sinned. Because he never sinned, he was placed on a cross. The Bible says that every sin of the entire world, my sin, your sin, every sin past, every sin present, every sin future was placed upon Jesus Christ. The Bible says that God could not look upon his sin and so he turned his back upon his own son. And Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because listen, God cannot look at sin. God cannot have sin in his presence, and so sin must be paid for. Sin must be dealt with, and Jesus on the cross paid for that sin so that you can know, you can have a relationship with God, you can live with God, you can be in the presence of God. The Bible says that when Jesus died, he was buried. He was buried, and guess what was buried with him? Those sins. The Bible says that he went to hell, he spent three days and three nights in the belly of the earth, goes to hell, and guess what he does? He leaves those sins there, and three days later, he rises from the grave. He conquered your sin. He paid the debt for you. That's the gospel. That's the good news. He loves you. He gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, doesn't matter who it is, believeth in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. All you have to do to believe is simply trust. Just trust that Jesus did that for you. You weren't there. I wasn't there to see it happen. Just trust that he did that for you. Trust, believe in your heart. Christ died on the cross for you, was buried, and rose three days later. I hope you know this. If you don't, joy begins with knowing God. Joy begins with entering that relationship. We cannot experience true joy without God. So if you do not know God as your personal Savior today, you cannot have the opportunity of fullness of joy. Let me say that again. If you do not know God as your personal Savior from your sin, then you cannot know the fullness of joy that he presents to you. So you must know him. It starts there. But listen, on top of that, your course can be joyful. But Paul says here, listen, you have to have a positive perspective on people. No, no negative. It's easy to be negative. No negative. And have the glorious goal of the gospel. Be externally focused. Look at other people and not yourself. I hope this will help you start. So start this week. Start this week. A process of joy. Begin having a positive perspective. And begin having a glorious goal of the gospel. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day, for the opportunity that you've given us. Father, we love you. Father, for me, this has been, again, helpful for me because so easily I can be negative. So easily I can look at people, even in my own family, and think negative thoughts about them. Father, I want to thank you for helping me with that and the joy that that has brought. I pray that if there's someone here today that has those negative thoughts, Father, you would help them with that. 
You would help them to be positive. Father, again, help us to look outwardly, externally. Look to give the gospel in any way we can. Help us to have that as a goal, giving the gospel in this new year. Father, help us to have joy. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Glory to you. Father, we pray all these things in your name. I'm going to ask you at home to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. This is our opportunity where every week we try to make some sort of decision. And I would challenge you to, to write this decision down. Find a pen and a piece of paper. Or if you use your phone, go ahead and open the notes app or something. But maybe you need to make a decision today. Maybe you simply need to make a decision. I want to have joy. I want my life to be characterized by joy. And so I am deciding today to start having a positive perspective on people. I am going to start this new year by having the goal of giving the gospel. Again, I don't know what God has spoken to you about. I have no idea what God is doing in your life. But whatever he is doing, decide to do something about it today. And I challenge you to write that down. Let's go ahead and give you some time to do that right now.